You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Nature is a revelation of God, we said. It's speaking of the existence of God. It speaks to man loudly. It's declaring the glory of God, his power, his wonders. But if a man doesn't want to hold the truth of God, if he doesn't want to glorify God as God, what he does is he separates himself and he would rather elevate himself than God. Then he becomes elevated and he becomes lifted up and God becomes small. I'm God and I am the master of my own fate. I'm the captain of my own soul. I am God. I am self-governed man. God's beauty is all around us. We can see His wonderful creations every day, in nature, in His people. All we have to do is stop and look. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that the Lord's artistry can be found in the simplest things. We don't have to look very hard or for very long. The beauty is everywhere. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Romans chapter 1 as he continues his message, What is a Christian? All people have knowledge of God. Paul has this beautiful introduction to the book of Romans, to the church at Rome. And he has this wonderful, wonderful treatise that he's laying out for them. And after his introduction, he talks about this just living by faith. And he gives them the answer. He gives the answer before he starts laying out the problem. And I love it. In verse 16, he said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Paul gives the answer first. And then he moves into the problem. He moves into this problem that we have. He says, all people have the knowledge of God. If you look at Romans 18, and I'm going to read it, Romans 18, I'm going to stop in what I call 21a, in Romans chapter 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteous of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse because although they knew God, stop there, although they knew God, all people have the knowledge of God. How do they have the knowledge of God? He is revealed in his creation. His creation reveals God to us. But what happens is we end up worshiping the creation instead of the creator. We end up making wooden images of birds and animals and stuff that we worship instead of God himself, who was the creator of all things. People have the knowledge of God, Paul is saying. The second truth we find here is that all people reject God. All people reject God. That's our second truth. We can find that in the second part of verse 21. Although they knew God, 
they did not glorify in him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into image made like the corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed animals and the creepy things. And he goes on and goes on and tells us about the depravity of man and how we are so deprived in such a rotten, filthy state Sometimes when you read that, it just makes your skin crawl and scathe when you read that, that treatise. You should read down through verse 31. You know, what Paul is telling us here is that God has revealed himself through nature. The man can know God through nature. Nature is a revelation of God, we said. It's speaking of the existence of God. It speaks to man loudly. It's declaring the glory of God, his power, his wonders. But if a man doesn't want to hold the truth of God, if he doesn't want to glorify God as God, what he does is he separates himself and he would rather elevate himself than God. Then he becomes elevated and he becomes lifted up and God becomes small. I'm God and I am the master of my own fate. I'm the captain of my own soul. I am God. I am self-governed man. You talk to Frank Sinatra, he'll tell you, he did it his way, my way, not God's way. Then as man looks at nature, he looks at nature from a presuppositional position that God doesn't exist. He's looking at nature like there can't be a God. He's looking at it because if he's God, if he's, he's, if he's all powerful, he's looking at nature and said, God can't exist. Look, then he attempts to explain the phenomena of nature apart from God's phenomena, the natural phenomena, the creation. He said everything happened by circumstances. Oh, it was just fortuitous. It was just a fortuitous occurrence that happened, and here we are. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Billions and billions and billions of years, and all of a sudden we're here. Just like that. Man rejects God. Man rejects God. Given a decision, man will always go towards the dark. The third truth is that people are guilty before God. All people are guilty before God. When you study the first three chapters in Romans, Paul builds a strong case for the depravity of humankind. He uses words like sinful, evil, selfless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Ugh. But he concludes in Romans 3, he says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. They have become unprofitable. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Wow. He's throwing that stuff on us. We know God. We have the power to know God. We've all rejected God. And now we're all guilty before God. Wow. Paul doesn't start heaping it on then. He hits us with another one when he says the fourth truth. All people are condemned for rejecting God. We are condemned because we've rejected God. In chapter 3, verse 20, therefore by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. No flesh will be justified in the sight of God because we are all guilty in the eyes of God. We were all condemned because we've rejected him and we don't declare him as God and worship him as such. Paul is saying that not only is every person guilty before God, but guess what, folks? There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. Every time you try to do something about it, it only gets worse. As you and your own self try to make your problem better, it gets worse and worse and worse. The more we try, the more we expose our evil. And this is everyone in the entire world, because guess what? We will all stand condemned before a holy and righteous God. And that's what Paul's saying. That's what Paul's saying in these first three chapters. It brings us to a face-to-face with a fundamental misunderstanding that appears in the many questions when people have not heard about Jesus. What about the pygmies of Africa? 
It brings us to a fundamental question. Because they haven't heard, this should exclude them from God's condemnation. That's what we're saying. Because they haven't heard, if everybody has to hear, and because they haven't heard, well, they should be excluded. They should just be saved. So will people go to heaven who haven't heard? This kind of thinking is emotional at best. We want people who haven't heard to be okay with the gospel. We want them to be okay. We want them to be saved. But this is asserting that well, people will be with God simply because they haven't heard the gospel. That's what you're saying when you say that. So why are we sending missionaries out all over the world to, to share the gospel? Wouldn't it be better if we all stayed home and didn't tell anybody? That way those people who didn't hear, well, they'll get to go. Why should we be sending people out? I don't want to tell anybody because if they haven't heard, they'll be saved. Cool. That doesn't go with what we've learned. That doesn't go with the scriptures. That doesn't go with the Bible. That doesn't go with what God has taught us. Don't go into your missionary. You can't go to the missionary. Heaven forbid you tell somebody and they don't accept. If you don't tell them, they'll go to heaven. Poor little pygmies in Africa. This is not the methodology that the Bible prescribes. Jesus tells us to go. He commands us to go. Ultimately, people are not condemned because they don't believe in Jesus Christ. They are condemned because they reject God. They reject God because if they were coming to God, if they were seeking God, God would reveal himself and God is able to reveal his son, Jesus Christ, to them. But they reject God. You know, as I sit here and, and, and when I think about this, I well up because it's emotional. I can imagine Paul writing this. He probably had tears streaming down his eyes when he's writing this treatise. He's painted a terrible portrait of humanity and our sinfulness. He said, all people know God. All people reject God. All people are guilty before God. And all people stand condemned for rejecting God. I mean, if you've never read the first three chapters of, of Romans straight through, go and read them straight through and have yourself a great cry because it will crush you. It will crush you to the core when you read and you accept what Paul is trying to say because Paul is not just coming against the Jews. He's coming against the entire world. He's coming against everyone. And it will crush you when you read that. But Paul doesn't leave us hanging. Paul doesn't leave us hanging without hope. And I won't leave you hanging without hope. God has made a way for salvation, which is truth number five. God has made a way for salvation. There is a way that we can come to God. In verse 21 of chapter three, Paul writes, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Thanks be to God. We have a way out. Thanks be to God that Paul Remember, we talked about this a while back. When you give the gospel message, you got to be bold and you got to tell them the bad news, but you also got to give them the good news. You also have to give them the good news, which is what we've just read today, right here in the midst of this church. If you are aware of your inability to live a righteous life, if you've struggled, if you've cried out, if you've done everything in your life that, to make it righteous, but you realize you can't, man, are you in great shape today? 
If you've got to the point where you've tried everything you can and you can't get there, are you in the best shape of your life now? Because you know you've reached the bottom. You can't go anywhere else. You know that you can't do it by yourself. Are you in great shape today? You're a good candidate now for that righteousness that God has revealed through faith in Jesus Christ. Having come from a despairing life myself and of myself and in myself, when I look back on my past life, I just want to go, yuck. I can't believe that that was me. But having come there, I am now brought to Jesus Christ and now I have a relationship to God through him. And that's what gives me strong. This brings us to truth number six. People cannot come to God apart from faith in Christ. People cannot come to God apart from faith in Christ. After writing one of the most mind-boggling and breathtaking paragraphs in all of the Bible, Paul begins to explain how salvation becomes a reality in our lives. Remember, Paul's audience was primarily Jews, primarily Jews at that time. Just as Peter was speaking in the book of Acts, he was speaking to the Jews. The Jewish people were accustomed to following the law in effort to know and please God. But beginning in Romans 3, from 21 to 31, and moving on, Paul describes how faith in Christ is the only way to make me right before God. He continues to develop this line in chapters 4 and 5. He declares that even the Old Testament saints were saved by grace through faith. Faith in what? Faith in the coming Christ. They had faith in the coming Christ. Not having seen him, they saw him from afar. They believed God for his promises, and that belief in the, in the Messiah was accredited to them as righteousness. They didn't know the details, but they were entrusting God to bring the promise of redemption to the Messiah. And Paul concludes this thought beautifully in chapter 5, verse 1, where he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ is the only way, the only means by which one can be saved. And that's what Peter said in chapter 4, verse 12 of Acts. Sola fide. Only by faith, sola fide, faith alone. If you go back to our poll that we took this morning about what exactly a Christian is, you have a very pluralistic view. It's a very pluralistic view saying that, you know, uh, there are many ways to God, many ways to salvation. Peter makes it quite clear, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is not so much good news for the pygmies in Africa. Even those who have heard about Christ but have rejected it. This is not good news. This is not good news. We become emotional when we start thinking about, surely God would not allow people to perish because, apart from him because they haven't heard. And we become emotional about this. And I've had emotional conversations with people, but you don't understand. These poor people in Africa and India who've never heard, how can they possibly be sent to hell? They haven't heard. Well, let me ask you this. We need to be careful with our emotions. We need to be careful in our thinking. Because if a God allows them to come into the kingdom by not having heard, guess what? That's another way. And the scripture says, there is no other way. Think about that. There is no other way. There is no other name. It's Jesus. God has provided a way to him. God has provided a way back. And he has revealed himself in nature. And if the people in Africa will look to nature, they'll realize that there's something bigger. Seek a God. And our God is capable of revealing his son to them. And if he doesn't and they're there, then there is another way. And we need to throw this away because it becomes false. And we cannot do this because this is the truth. This is the reality of our lives. This is the only truth that there is. God. After the first four of our truths, we had some good news and we were kind of getting excited. Now we're back in despair again because we're lost. 
with 1.5 billion people not having heard of Jesus Christ and another 3 billion people living apart from God, including our loved ones, our friends, there's a serious problem that exists. This brings us to the seventh and final truth on our journey through this book. The seventh and final truth. Christ commands the church to make the gospel known to all people. That's the seventh truth. Christ commands the church to make the gospel known to all people. If you go to Romans 10, he says in verse 13, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Pray God, there's your out. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's your out. But he clearly brings up a problem. How will they know? How will they know? How will they know? In verses 14 through 17 in chapter 10, Paul sets out God's plan for redemption, how he's going to use us, how he's going to use us to share the good news of gospel. In Romans 10, verses 14 through 17, he says, how then shall they call upon him whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in whom have they not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring good tidings of glad joy. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Here's God's plan. You read it backwards. Read it backwards. The first thing God does is he sends us. God sends us. We've been given a command by Jesus Christ, the great commission in Matthew 28. We've been given a command, go and make disciples. We've been given that command. He sends his servants. What do his servants do? Servants preach. They share the gospel. They share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God sends us and we preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith. We speak. We speak and people hear us. God sends his servants. His servants speak the gospel and people hear them. The final step in the process is people believe. When the gospel message is taught, people believe. People hear the message because you've said it, you've explained it clearly, and they believe and people become saved. People call upon the name of the Lord. And you go back to the verse 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's as simple as that. But there are people who will not listen. There are people who will still reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will still reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. And remember, they're not rejecting you. They're not even rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting God, the Father. They're rejecting his plan for salvation, his plan for eternal life. That's what they're rejecting. That's what they're coming against. As long as time remains on the prophetic clock, God will send people to proclaim his good news. As long as their time remains, there are 1.5 billion people who have never heard of him, and he will send to them those so that they can hear the good news. Why? Peter, in his second epistle, says it quite clearly in chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. That's God's plan. God's plan is that all would come to repentance. God wants all to be saved. God wants everyone to come. The apostle Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for the kings who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness of reverence, for this is the good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You want to pray God's perfect will? Pray that somebody would get saved. Pray that somebody's heart would be opened up to the truth of the gospel. That's God's perfect will. It says so in Scripture. So we've defined Christianity. We've said what Christianity is. we said what it means to be a Christian. And you know what's coming. You know what the next question is. Are 
you a Christian according to the definition that we gave today, not by your attendance here today. And God bless every one of you for coming. Are you a Christian by our definition today? Or maybe you're stuck. Maybe you've heard all this and you've heard it before. Maybe the Lord's brought you here and you know you want to you kind of change things around. You want to move on a little bit further, but you just don't know how to make that first step. I don't know what to do. How do I do this? I don't know how to become a Christian. Maybe that's the question I need to ask. Do you know how to become a Christian? Again, in the book of Romans, Paul tells us in chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it was with the heart that one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth that confession is made unto salvation. We make this confession of our sins. We're all sinners. Don't believe that? Go back and read chapter one of the book of Romans. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all been condemned because of our sin to death. The wages of sin are death. We've all been condemned. We need a way out. We can't get there on our own righteousness. Isaiah says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Filthy rags. We can't get there on our own accord. We have this debt that we owe to God for our sin. But Christ, but Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son has come in the form of a man. And his death on the cross removed that debt from us. And God didn't stop there. God didn't stop at the cross with our forgiveness of sin. God, no, God raised him from the dead. Raised him from the dead that we now might have eternal life and we might have eternal life, which begins right now, today. I've come that you have life and life more abundantly, he said in John 10, 10. The abundant life of Jesus Christ is available to all who will come. I've showed you that we're all in need. We all come from the same mold. Our father is Adam. We all come from the same mold. Sin has been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. Those of you with children know what I'm talking about. Did you have to teach your child to lie? I don't think so. When they had the cookie in their hand that they took from the counter, go, did you take that cookie? Uh Uh-uh. You don't have to teach a kid to lie. Why? Because it's in here. We're born that way with a propensity for sin. We are born with it. It's our nature. In John 10, Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. He talks about the sheep knowing his voice. That's a beautiful, beautiful passage in John 10 about the good shepherd that Christ is. He says something very profound. It's another way of looking at him as the only way. Chapter 10, verse 9, the Gospel of John, Jesus is declaring, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leads me to green pastures. Green pastures. You may claim to be a Christian by your definition of Christianity. You may claim that you are a Christian, but your meaning may be broad. It may mean many, many different things because after all, this is America. I can have it mean whatever I want it to mean. But to be a Christian, you must place your trust, your faith in Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. For Peter declares in Acts 4, verse 12, There is salvation by no other. You've been listening to A Sure Hope Radio with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. If these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen, Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live. So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609-884-5821. That phone number once more is 609-884-5821. Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website, assurehoperadio.com. We've come to the end of our time together for today, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope. Rescued us, we're ready now to stand up on our feet. Born again, we now go out. We set our hope on the grace.